All right, let's do. Thank you, Michael. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus that build generational transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm Pastor Aaron, and I'm glad to be back. I want to thank uh, Caleb for last week doing a great job fulfilling the pulpit. And and, uh, if you missed that message, make sure you go back and listen to it on our website. Uh, Really just a fantastic way to end out 2020. But now we are in a new year. Yay. Are you ready for it? Yeah. And so we're going to start this year talking about being transformed, how... God transforms us, and how that really does, it changes everything, especially for us as believers. Now, uh, we live in a post-Christian culture, I don't know if you're aware of that, but you know, a lot of the things that uh, as a culture for thousands of years we kind of uh, collectively understood is are things that now more and more just Christians understand. So maybe if uh, this might be some new stuff that we're we'll talking about today, how God transforms us might be something that's new to you. That's uh, Don't be surprised by that. That's good stuff. Uh, maybe a little different than what the culture of the world says. But I would say this is what the God says about us as Christians, is about how he changes us. And um, we see that uh, Without this transformation, really, we're kind of left to our own, and I think we've seen after that last year, um, what happens to people when we are kind of left to our own devices? Crazy stuff. Not always the happiest things, but, uh, but here's the thing. That God has a cure for us. God has a cure for what really breaks us on the inside. That whole thing of us doing what's right in our own eyes and doing what's best in our own things, we oftentimes make each other miserable, ourselves miserable, the world kind of falls apart. God changes it. And he doesn't just change us by giving us rules on the outside, which is what religion really is, isn't it? There's a bunch of rules telling you to try to contain the beast within, you know, so you just act better. And that's really what most uh, religions and government and all that's really trying to do, is create these rules and laws to try to, to, to hem us in, to, 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 to keep that awful beast inside of us from getting out and ruining the rest of the world. But God has a better solution for us. And it's so much better than things like just creating another list of rules. It's so much better than, than like, well, a lot of you maybe have uh, resolutions, which are fine. But if you want to become different by creating a new system of rules that you live by, God has a better way. He actually changes who we are. Fundamentally, foundationally changes us. It, it's a metamorphosis. It's a transformation. And that's really what this, this whole series is about. Is how does God change us, not in some theoretical, philosophical, theological sense, but how does God actually, in reality, change us? Now, this course, this message, and this series is most applicable to the Christian, because we're the ones being changed. But if you're not a believer yet, maybe if you're listening online, or you've joined us, and you, and you have this question, what is, what is Christianity all about? I think you're going to find some new things that are pretty refreshing, pretty exciting. And it starts with our identity. That one of the things that God changes about us, the very first thing, the most fundamental things, is he changes us even who we are in our very identity. From then, from that point on, then he changes everything else, which is what the series is going to go through. But today we're going to talk about this, our identity. How does God change us who we truly are and what does that mean? As we start the series, our memory verse for it, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I thought this was apropos uh, verse for it. And so this entire series, and might be your verse for the year. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and you're going to say along with me in just a minute, but I'm going to read it for you. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. 
The old has gone and the new is here. And before we memorize it, this is our first time. If anyone is in Christ, this is where it begins. This is a passage, this is a whole series about the transformation that we have because we are in Christ. This is where the transformation takes place. Like a cocoon is where God turns a a little worm type thing into a beautiful butterfly. If you are in Christ, this is what happens. The new creation has come. Notice that it's not that it will come. And oftentimes we think of it in terms like God is going to do something in my life. No, when you are in Christ, there is a new thing that has happened. There's a reality that we now get to live in. The old has gone. It's not as like it will go away, but God has removed the past of who we are. And there is a new thing that we are living in now. The new is here. That's pretty profound, isn't it? And that's applicable in a lot of areas of our life, which we're going to get to. But first, let's just take a moment and let's set this to our heart and to our spirit through memory. Three, two, one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Second Corinthians 5.17. Again, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Second Corinthians 5.17. And again, another time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's test ourselves. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Oh, isn't that awesome? The new is here. Let's talk about what that new is. If you have your Bibles, why don't you join me on Galatians chapter 2, which... Forgot to bring up my Bible that I set up a couple weeks ago. So give me just a second and Galatians 2. Easy peasy. There we go. If you're using one of our Bibles on page 811, um, if you need a Bible, of course, we have them in the back. And if you're at home and you need a Bible, can't help you right now. But let us know as a church and we'll send one out to you. All right. <laughs> now, as you turn to second, uh, Galatians chapter 2, let me give you a little background on this book because we want to do context, right? What's happening here? There was, Galatia wasn't a city. It was like a whole region. It's like we would consider the Midwest, right? It's just like a region. And in that region, the gospel was growing. And as it was growing, it was uh, growing amongst not just the Jewish population, which is where the church originally grows, makes sense, right? Because the Messiah had come. And also there was a fair number of Gentiles who were coming to faith in Jesus. And this created a cultural uh, friction because you had the Jewish Christians who had very different language, very different culture, very different background, understanding the Messiah, of course, through all their history and everything. And then you have these Gentiles who were coming in, you were hearing the gospel you know, for the first time, new to all of this uh, whole concept of Messiah, right? This thing, different background, different cultures, different languages, and there was a lot of distrust between the two different cultures. We can identify a little bit about that in our own community. There are, there's a whole group of people in our community that speak a different language, have different culture, different backgrounds, right? And there's a lot of distrust between the two different cultures. I think we can understand this, right? And Paul writes this book to this whole region that's going through that, and he says, listen, there is something important here. There's something more important than where you came from. There is a new that has come. And the book of Galatians really teaches us about how we live according to our new identity, who we are in Christ. 
and how that changes our whole identity. In chapter 2, verse 20, and I think I might even have it up on the board. Yes, I do. Look at that. Paul writes, As I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The very beginning, as Paul writes this, is in the second chapter, that's the beginning of the book. He begins by saying that who I was is dead, right? Who, who I was, I am no more. Because I don't know if you know this, but when you die, you're kind of dead, right? You stop being you, right? People don't invite you to birthday parties anymore once you're dead because you're no more fun, right? All the things that used to have in you, you just don't have anymore, right? That's, that's part of it. Paul says that who I was has been killed along with Christ. But it's not that he's dead anymore. In fact, there's a different kind of life he has. The life I now live, even in this body, has a different kind of power. There's a different identity that I have. And he lives it by faith. Now really, he's talking about what defines him from this point on. Once he became a Christian, everything changed. And so we begin with, as a Christian, we talk about our identity, how God transforms us from being the people that we were into the people that he's making us into, these new people in Christ. We didn't talk about what defines us. And as a culture, I think we ask that question a lot. In fact, identity is a big deal right now in our culture, isn't it? And people are trying to identify all kinds of things, right? Uh, you know, not just where they stand politically, but oftentimes whether or not they're even men or women. We want to see how does how do we really find our true identity? Who are we? How does the Bible say what defines us? Well, let's first talk about what we're not defined by. Paul here shows us, and Scripture shows us, that we're not defined by culture. Right? He says, he's not the, he died to this world. Right? And your culture, part of this world. Who I was, I was crucified with Christ. It's not who I am anymore. Now, when you're crucified, you're done. In fact, Paul later on talks about how we don't have race and gender and socioeconomics and culture, right? That's how the world sees you. how the world's going to find you. And a lot of us draw our definition by who culture says we are. In fact, there's entire movements in our culture right now that are based upon just that, right? And it, we, we know it by the terms identity, right? Identity politics is how it's even moved into the politics. But it's this whole idea is you are who culture says you are. You are either middle class, you're wealthy, you're poor, and that's going to tell you who you are. You either have this color skin or that color skin, and that defines who you are. And you can't be anything other than who culture says you are. But, and, and for many outside who are still in this world, that is who they are. That's culture defines them. They say, this is who you are. If you're a Republican, you act this way. If you're a Democrat, you act this way, right? If you're a man, you're like this. If you're a woman, you're like this, right? They're going to say, they're going to identify you. They're going to tell you who you are. And as a Christian, it's really hard for us, but we have to die to that. We are no longer who the world says that we are. And it's a powerful thing. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul even goes on to say, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. Right? We stop being the things that the world uses, those, those false and temporary uh, categories that the world tries to place us in. Do you know this, that someday you're going to die, and then you're going to really live? And you're going to be born again. And when you get to the kingdom of God, and as we are there, a lot of the things that used to define you aren't going to be there anymore. 
do you know that you're not going to be an American in the kingdom of God? That's pretty great. You're going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, which you are right now. You know what? You go into the kingdom of God, no matter where you are socioeconomically now, that's not what's going to define you there. In Christ, you are children of God. This is what Paul writes to this Galatian church and says, listen, all these things on the outside, you have different languages, different backgrounds, different wealth levels, all this, all this stuff that you and the world has defined that keeps you separated. Those things have died. In Christ, if you are in Christ, the first thing we recognize, we're his child. We're born again. We have a new identity, which is really great. And the issue here really is identity. It's not existence, right? When he goes on to second, in Galatians 3, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. How he, see how he moves on from saying that you are God's child in that very next verse, saying, listen, in that, you don't have to be Jew or Gentile. That was the separation between the, the racial separation that was going on. Slave or free, socioeconomics, male or female, gender. All these things that we use to divide each other and tell each other who we are. God says at the cross, it's been leveled. Now again, it's identity, it's non-existence. Now he's not saying here that there aren't such a things as Jews and not such a thing as Gentiles. That's silly. In fact, most of the book of Je- of uh, Galatians talks about how you can be a Jew and be a Christian and how you can be a Gentile and be a Christian. He's not saying those things don't exist. He's saying that's not what defines you anymore. That, that for a temporary time, for a piece of history, you're going to exist either as a Jew or as a Gentile, right? And you're going to worship God as that, but ultimately your true identity is a child of God. He's not saying here that there's not such a thing as slaves or free people. In fact, there's a whole book in here, more of a letter, that talks about what is it like to be a slave in Roman culture, being owned by a Christian master. He's not saying those things don't exist. He just says, for a time, you will exist maybe as a slave or as a wealthy person, but ultimately you are a Christian. So how can you be a Christian in the midst of that? What defines you? Who are you truly? Well, you're not these things that, that this world tells us that we are, that we oftentimes find our ultimate identity in. And that's the first thing that we really got to own. As when you're a Christian, all the things that maybe you used to, to, to find yourself in, this, this idea of who you truly are, it's not who you really are. Those are temporary expressions, ways that you get to live a life in glory of God. But that's not who you are. I mean, God's transforming us, isn't he? He has transformed us. And so, I'm not what culture says I am. Very important for us as Christians, because the world's going to say a lot of things about us, and has, and continues to, right? You're a Christian, and therefore you're... I'm not who culture says I am. And so... I also have to recognize this. I'm also not defined by myself. It's not just that I'm not what the world says I am, but I'm also not what I feel that I am. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, right? The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That was that verse that he starts with. with, I no longer live. I don't get to define who I am anymore. I'm not who I think I am. 
Are there days you feel fantastic and you feel like you're just the best person in the world? Are there days that you feel horrible and like you're the worst person in the world? How could you be both? Because he's saying, you're not who you think you are. I think that's pretty fantastic. I'm not a person that says, I'm this monster because I did something horrible. I'm this great, awesome person because I feel like I did these good things. I'm not defined by my works anymore. I died to myself. I died to all of that. And now I live in Christ. There's a different thing that defines me. I am more than the sum of my actions. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 12. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He goes on to say in there, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That we, we stop giving ourselves our own identity based upon what I have done in the past, but there's a transformation that we allow God to take place in us. There's a renewing of our mind, a transformed. I love how they even use the word there, transformed. How God changes you even from your very thinking, even your very brain. Which means who you think you are no longer is who you are. You don't get to choose that anymore. God is making you into something amazing. He's renewing your very, even your thinking. And once he does that, well, then we're going to be able to understand this life that he's called us to live. That's pretty fantastic. That's the process of sanctification, by the way, which is why it's so fun. I mean, the, when I was younger in faith, I oftentimes had this idea of myself, of like who I was, and then I was, you know, I would be doing really good with God, and then I would, I would blow it, right? Have you ever been there? Like you just... You're trying to be faithful, you're doing all this kind of stuff, and you're walking with God, and you're strong in faith, and you're thinking, I'm fantastic because I'm strong in faith. And then I would just mess up so badly. And then I would think, oh, God can't love me. Right? I would feel like this giant phony because I just couldn't get there. But as I began to walk with God and I, had, I experienced His grace on that daily, uh, that daily basis, if I had mentors who showed me the Word and brought me back to Scripture, as I began to set my heart and mind to the Word and began to apply it to my life, I discovered something really fantastic. That the real me was really in there. That God was turning me into somebody different. It was often times when I first was a Christian and I would read His Word and I'd be totally offended by what it said. And I would say, God... I don't think you're moral in this. And I was dumb enough to say that to God. But I believed it. I was like, you were wrong. But I'll trust you because you're the Lord. Right? But the longer I walk with God, the more he begins to transform my heart, which changes my mind, which brings my vision into better focus. And I start to see the world the way that it truly is. Now, I'm certainly not there yet. There are a lot of areas and God is a huge mystery to me. And his ways are a huge mystery to me. But I've seen enough to know that God sees the world as it truly is. And he's transforming me. So not that I don't just follow him out of faith, but I begin to actually see it. That my, the, 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 the tablet of my soul is beginning to bear the marks of his law. It's fantastic. That's, that's what sanctification does. But I love this that says that we're being transformed, even if I don't feel like it, knowing that if you are in Christ, the God is at work within you. We had that James series that talked about how God is at work with you, even in the difficult things. He's at work in your life right now. 
He's transforming you. Everything that you're going through right now is exactly what you need to prepare you for what he's got for us in the future. I think that's pretty fantastic. That he's curated a discipleship process for you. He's transforming you. And he's not going to give up. He's going to finish the good work that he started. And that's pretty fantastic. Because there are days that I don't feel worthy. But I'm not who I think that I am. God proved my worth by coming to earth to die on a cross in exchange for my soul. And he did the same to you and for you. You are somebody entirely and wholly different than maybe what you think you are. And who God is turning you into, he's transforming you into, is somebody amazing and glorious. Somebody actually that you would like. And so we begin with this, that we have to stop defining ourselves. Oftentimes as Christians, we think, well, I'm just not good enough. God could never use me. I'm not talented enough. I'm not this or I'm not that or whatever the enemy or your heart or whatever tries to tell you you are. I want to tell you this, that you are exactly whom God created you to be. That he made you with the exact amount of talents, the exact right amount of abilities, and the exact right place, and the exact right time in history. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. That the things that you're going through are perfectly designed to mature you and prepare you for eternity. It's pretty fantastic. And God could have made you anything he wanted, but he made you exactly like he did for a reason. It says you are his masterpiece, perfectly created for what he's called you to do. One of the things that we recognize then is I don't get to define me. I don't get to go back to my past and say, well, all these things that I've struggled with are just made me awful. No, all these things that God has allowed me to go through are shaping me into the person he's calling me to be. And he's doing that for you as well. He's transforming you. So let his transformation work within you. Find your identity, not in how you feel. And that really goes down to what truly defines me. What does Paul say? What does Galatians say? What does Scripture say? God defines me. I am who God says I am. If you are in Christ, you are who God says you are. In fact, regardless of who you are, you're who God says you are. The truest thing that could ever be said about you is what God says about you, isn't that? I mean, when there was nothing, God said, let there be light, and he created light, and then he created all things out of nothing. Like, if God says it, it becomes reality. That's why it's impossible for him to lie. If he says it, it becomes truth. Who you are is who God says you are. The most important thing for us to recognize is to, to, that we can trust that, that we have to get rid of this illusion that, that culture or this world or I or myself can give myself a, some form of identity of, or can define myself. No, I am defined by God. And he says some pretty amazing and powerful things about me and about you. Do you know that God says that we're his servants? If you are in Christ, that you get to work for him. And that might not be awesome because you sound like we were Americans. We're like, I don't want to be a servant. But I want you to think about this. You get to work for the best employer ever. Have you ever known somebody who got a job at some awesome corporation or something, like super proud of it? You're like, hey, I work for Google or something like this. And you're like, oh, that's impressive. You work for God. Like he hired you. Of all the people, the billions who came, he said, I choose you, and I have a place for you. I've gifted you and equipped you, and I, I have employed you. That's what it says, that we are God's servants. We're his employees. We get to work in this world and bear his name and further his kingdom, which is pretty fantastic. But that's not just enough. He doesn't just say, well, you're my employee. 
He says, which would be more than we deserve because all of us have failed quite a bit. But it's more than that. He didn't just say we're his servants. He says that we are his family. We just saw in this passage, this chapter that was here, that we are his children. The first John even just is out of amazement. You know, John writes that we're God's children and that's really what we are. Like, this is crazy. That we've been adopted into his family. That he would think that, that he would say, you know what? I don't just want you to be part of my kingdom, right? Under my employ. I want you to be part of my household. That God draws us into that. That is truly who you are now. Which is why we call each other brothers and sisters. It's because we have the same spiritual father, that we have been adopted into that. We have something deeply in common. Changes who we are fundamentally. Your identity has changed. You're not an orphan of this world. And if that wasn't enough, that God would call you his children, which is pretty fantastic, he calls us his heirs, that not only do his children get to run around his house, he says that we get to somehow share in the administration of his kingdom, which blows my mind. It says in the word that somehow we get to like judge angels and stuff. That's weird. Like, who are we? I'll tell you who we are. We're the people who are being transformed because God is making us into the right kind of people. We get to be heirs of his heavenly throne. That is crazy. But if that wasn't enough, God calls us his bride. And many times through scripture, he uses, he says, that we are the bride of Christ, right? That, that we are the one that he has united himself to. And God came up with marriage to actually describe the unique relationship between him and the church. Think how amazing that is. That in some way, God has said, I want to be united with you. That the two shall become one and that we, there's no separation now that we get to be with God. And this deep and intimate and unique kind of relationship that is holy and amazing blows my mind too. And yet, that's what scripture says that we are. That in all of creation, and look at the beautiful things that God has made. He finds you, he finds the church most beautiful. And if that wasn't enough, Scripture says that we are the body of Christ, of which he is the head. And all of us are members. And every one of us has been perfectly designed to fulfill our role in that body. We all have a place, something that we get to do. But think how intimate, you can't identify with something any more than yourself. And God calls us his body. He's given us a new identity, a holy identity, a powerful identity. And you think about what God has made us. And it's not something that he's going to make us into. The old has gone, the new has come. It's not like someday you're going to be the child of God or under his employ. It's not like someday you'll be the bride of Christ or the body of Christ. You are today. And God is transforming our thinking and our minds for us to truly and fully understand that. What does it mean? And so we can live this true new life that he's already given us. And so we have some some things. How do I live this? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is refuse to let the world define us. We have to stop letting the world say, this is who you are, and putting us in these false categories. That's not who we are. We aren't who what culture says we are. We're not what the media says we are. We're not what the world might think that we are. The world doesn't get to define us. We died to the world, and so the world lost its power over us. Society isn't our master. Culture is not our redeemer, is it? 
You think culture is going to make you a better person? Not like Jesus. You're not what they say you are. We all think we also have to renounce self-identity, right? We die to ourself. That's our past and our present. We also our future. Recognize that sometimes dying to ourself, we lay down our, our very small dreams for our future so we can take up the dreams of God God has for us, his plans. You are not what you believe yourself to be. That's good. And you are in the process of being transformed. And God is at work in you right now, allowing you to grow up into who he's already made you to become. And so what we need to do, I think, is then to accept my true identity in Christ. That's where we need to begin. The truest thing, remember, that will ever be said about you is what God says about you. So you will find that in his word. He'll say that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you have a place in his kingdom, that you have work to do, that you are valued, that you are this temple of his Holy Spirit, right? That, that he has created you to be part of his heavenly kingdom. All of these things are very true about you. To begin to live according to that, because that's who we are. And that's really the foundation of this whole series. If we don't miss this, if we miss this, that I am who God says I am, nothing I'm going to talk about the next couple weeks are going to make any sense. So if this doesn't make sense to you, please talk with me. But if you get this, and I think you'll be ready for the next few things, which are not going to be entirely politically correct, but they're going to be absolutely biblically correct. And you're going to find that who God says we are is pretty fantastic. And the world needs the church now that we get to be the hands and feet of Christ in this culture, not just transforming ourselves, but being the agents of God's transformation into this world that desperately needs it. But today, you have some next steps I would like you to take because who we are in Christ matters, right? So on your connection card, there's going to be a couple next steps. And if you're online, they should probably be on a little box right about here. First thing I'm going to challenge you to do is would you memorize 2 Corinthians 5.17? Remind yourself that you are not who you used to be. Let God's word tell you that because the world's constantly going to try to tell you they get to choose who you are, but they don't. And you are going to constantly try to tell yourself who you are, but you don't get that right anymore. Second Corinthians is going to remind you that the old has gone, the new has come. Something else you might want to do this, this week is read Galatians. I preached a little out of the second chapter, a little out of the third chapter. You want to read the book of Galatians. You want to see what it's like to have a transformed community Uh, people who are defined by God, not by their culture, not by their past, not by all those other things, but let the gospel actually transform. This is a book all about that. You want to read it. It's a great way to start the year. Maybe what you need to do, and this is is to accept your true identity in Christ. And what does that mean this week? Well, I want to say this. If you're not a believer in Jesus, the first thing you need to do is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so you can be born again, so you can have a new identity. That's the way you accept that. And if you need to make that decision, I would like you to come talk with me because you were saved by grace through faith and there's ways I want you to take that, those steps of faith so we can help you not just become a believer but grow in a healthy family of church believers. So if that's you, you need to come chat with me. If you're online, email me, call us the church. We will help you take those steps. But if you are a believer, accepting a true identity in Christ is this. This week, be very proactive. Think about the times, those negative ideas, those thoughts about who you are come into your mind, how culture might tell you this is who you ought to be, and weigh that against who God truly says you are. And then choose to believe and live as the one who God called you to be. That's what that means. It's a very good challenge. I did it last year. It was was pretty transformative in my life. The last thing I'm going to challenge you to do is why don't you attend the next few weeks 
as we go through the series. Because it's not just that God transforming you, that God called us into this world to be salt and light, to actually transform the culture in which we live. And does our world need some transformation? Yeah. Yes, it does. In fact, God has some really good things for us as a church to do. So I encourage you to come back. Don't just be the new person. Let's live the new life together. So if you'd like to, come back the next few weeks as we finish this series up, uh, as we go through this series. Hopefully that's given you all enough time to make your connection card commitments. I encourage you to take those now. Um, We're going to sing a song in a minute, and at the end of that, you can drop those off in the offering basket along with your tithes and gifts at the back of the church. If you're online, uh, let us know what commitments you make. I will be praying for you this week. And of course, if you have any prayer requests, please let me pray with you this week. Our prayer team, we would love to support you in this. When we invite God into our lives, cool things happen. So let us pray with you this week. All right, so let's do that. Um, let me first, uh, let's pray for our commitments, and then we'll have the worship team lead us with a, a, a good send-off. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful that you transform dead things and make them alive. And I tell you what, after the last uh, 12 months, it, it, we recognize maybe in a fresh way how much this world needs a transformation, that we need you. We don't allow our circumstances to dictate uh, our, our, our uh, selves our identity. We don't let uh, culture tell us who we are. We don't get to tell ourselves. We're grateful that you get to define us and whom you've defined us is far more than we've ever deserved, but it is wonderful. Lord, help us this year to really cling to whom you say we are, that, that we could live the life that you've called us to live, that you could do that transforming work in us and through us, that we would be your blessing to this community and this culture, Lord that we would be that salt and light that would see the world turn more and more, their eyes and their culture and, and uh, just the very way that we live back more into understanding uh, who you are. And so we could see you uh, in the way that you truly are, glorified and amazing and wonderful. Father, we've made commitments today. Help us to keep those this week, to live those out, not because it's some kind of rule that we want to stick ourselves behind, but Father, that we're inviting your transforming work in our very soul, that by, by walking in obedience, Father, that your transforming work will change our hearts and minds, Lord, to be more and more like the people you've called us to be. And Lord, we pray that the effect of this would be that you would be glorified as we would be transformed. Lord, uh, we lift all this to you in the powerful name of our Savior who does transform us. Amen.